Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on water treatment knowledge so you're not scaling up your systems. Hello, everybody. In the Scaling Up Nation, Trace Blackmore here. So happy to be coming at you right here on Scaling Up H2O. Folks, thanks so much for giving me some ideas for the show this coming year. Thank you so much for your feedback on the shows this past year. That really helps me do a better job and it also makes me smile because that means you guys are listening to the show. So thank you very much for that. Last year at the Association of Water Technologies annual convention and expo, I had the privilege of speaking at four separate occasions. That was a great honor. And one of the presentations that I delivered was an experiment that we did here at Blackmore Enterprises to get some firsthand data on filming amines. I know filming amines are not new. They've been around for a very, very, very long time but they are making a presence in the water treatment industry. And what I mean by that is even though it's an older technology, people are now starting to use them in a different way. Now we here at Blackmore Enterprises have been using filming amines in steam boilers for at least the past five years. I think we were experimenting with them even before that. And we've had some fantastic results. And I know that listeners out there of the Scaling Up Nation have had results that have either been just as good or you've just had this disastrous experience with filming amines. And I know this because you've come up to me and you've talked to me about that. And I want to say that there was probably a reason that you have received those poor results. We just need to figure out what that is. But we here at Blackmore Enterprises, we have had very good results, but we're also very intentional in how we use the product. So filming amines, if you are not familiar with how filming amines work, they basically coat the entire surface that you are trying to protect and anything between the filming amine and the wall interface, it is going to clean off of the systems. Now, most of the systems that I have heard that have had issues were pretty neglected systems and the product, the filming amine was used very fast when they were putting the filming amine in. So I think what happened, and I know this is different case by case, but the cases that I have heard of, it sounds like what happened is that those systems were cleaned too quickly and that created a problem because all that gunk, and yes, gunk is a water treatment correct term, and the gunk was liberated from the entire system and then it had no place to go. And that's normally where it clogged something up or created some sort of problem. So if that was your issue, perhaps you use too much filming amine too fast. I've also heard instances where they were just very old systems or they were very neglected systems. And quite frankly, those systems were destined to be doomed 
all along and you just hasten the process because all the rust and debris was actually acting as a bridging band-aid. And once you took that off, you created a sprinkler system. And I wanna say of all of the horror stories that I have heard, that is the reason that you had that issue. Now, here's the thing, filming amines are cleaners. So they are going to clean the surface. How quickly do you want those to clean? And a lot of the manufacturers recommend that you calculate the ideal dose and then you cut that in half. Well, folks, we here at Blackmore Enterprises, we actually cut that either in a third or a quarter because as you all know, it is so much easier to add than it is to take away. Well, it's with all of this, and of course I'm talking about steam boilers now, it's with all of this that we had a lot of experience with steam boilers, but I didn't have any experience with closed loop systems. So that's what I spoke about this past September at the AWT Annual Convention and Expo. What we did for about a year's time is we took a system that we had excellent control over that had an aluminum hot loop boiler. And as all of you know out there, and some of you don't know, aluminum is just so difficult to treat. Aluminum is one of those metals that it really likes to corrode in high and low pH. Well, you gotta pick one. Are you gonna go high or you're gonna pick low? Aluminum doesn't like it, whichever one that you pick, and then that creates a corrosive environment. Well, closed loops, folks, we have solved how to treat closed loops many, many, many years ago. And when we add a metal like aluminum to it, well, now it's not playing by the rules. And what I mean by that is most of us are using something like a nitrite-based program and a high pH buffered system. So we probably have a pH of 8.5, probably all the way up to 9.9, .9, somewhere around that area. And we do that because the higher the pH in that environment, we actually can inhibit the corrosion going on in the mild steel. And of course, we probably have some azoles and things like that in there to protect the yellow metals. Everybody was nice and happy. Well, then some engineers came along and they said, you know what, we're going to start making these boilers instead of out of copper and nickel, we're going to start making these boilers out of aluminum because aluminum is such a light metal. It's very efficient when we're trying to transfer heat and it is a cheaper material. So, hey, that's a win, win, win. It sounds great. Let's start making these boilers out of aluminum but nobody thought about the water treater's perspective. So now we have copper in the system, we have mild steel in the system, and now we have this boiler that's made out of aluminum. Well, folks, each one of those metals is treated differently and in a pH environment that the other metal does not like. So you've got to pick one. Are you going to treat the aluminum and sacrifice a little bit, the mild steel and the copper? Or are you going to pick the mild steel and copper and dramatically sacrifice the aluminum? Well, obviously, we're probably going to choose to protect the aluminum more than the mild steel and copper but just realize that that's not the great environment that we're used to, that we're getting such great results with. All right, so that was the setup for why I wanted to use a filming amine 
in a closed loop environment with an aluminum boiler because again, the filming amine is supposed to coat the entire surface, including the aluminum, the iron, the copper. So that should give us pretty good results. And I've talked to people that said they had great results. Of course, if you talk to the manufacturers, they say you're gonna have outstanding results and every case study they've ever done has been fantastic. Well, folks, I love information like that but I tell you, I've got to have it firsthand because folks out there in the Scaling Up Nation, you're going to ask me questions and I can say, well, somebody told me this, but I have no firsthand experience. Or if somebody that works in my company wants me to support something or give them some advice, I can do that so much easier when I have touched it and felt it and smelt it and wrote it down and all those other things that I'm sure we do when we're running a test. So that's what I wanted to do with this. I wanted to make sure that I had firsthand experience. And we were looking for a new solution when it came to treating these aluminum hot loop boilers. So with that, we decided that we wanted to have the least amount of variables that we could. And folks, this is something that whenever you're running an experiment, I want to encourage you to do, how many variables can you cut out? And so many times we have a problem system that we have never been able to get under control, and then we're gonna try a new product on it to try to get it under control. Well, sometimes that works great, and sometimes that's disastrous, and maybe that's what was happening in some of the systems that I talked about that other people were talking to me about at the top of the show. I don't know, but when I am using a new product, when I'm doing an experiment, I wanna make sure that I have a system that I already have under control, and that's what we did. We chose a system that for the past six years, it had aluminum boiler in it, still does have an aluminum boiler in it, and we were getting fantastic results. Based on our corrosion coupon studies, and yes, folks, I do use corrosion coupons in my closed loops, because otherwise, how do you know? So based on these studies, we were getting really good results. So we were getting good results on the aluminum. We were getting good results on the copper and the mild steel. The other reason we chose this is because we had that data. Unfortunately, we don't have corrosion coupons on every single one of our closed loops against my wishes, but sometimes the, there's no room for it. Sometimes the customer doesn't want to pay for it. Sometimes there's just no room to install it. Sometimes there is no money in the budget for the customer to pay for it. Whatever it is, unfortunately, we do not have corrosion coupons on every single one of our closed loops, but this one we did. So with that, we used the data and we knew that we were getting good results for the past six years. So we did a couple of things. We wanted to make sure we had plenty of data. So we verified, of course, that we were getting good results and all the metallurgy that was there. And then we verified how many gallons we were treating. Folks, if you did not know it, you are a water treater. And if you do not know how many gallons of water that you are treating, how on earth are you going to treat that water? So I wanna share with you how to figure out in a closed loop how many gallons you have, but by all means, you have to know how many gallons you have in any system that you are treating because your job is water treater. 
Next thing we did is uh, we didn't want to give any credit to our previous product to the filming amine product that we were testing. And we had an azole nitrite nitrate borate polymer blend that we were using for the past six plus years. And again, getting really good results with that. So we wanted to go ahead and flush that out just to make sure that the results that we received were only due to the filming amine, not any other inhibitor that might be there. And folks, I want to share the filming amine that we used. We used Odyssey's Autotherm FS500R, which is their closed loop aluminum product. And then for fun, because I always like to add fun into my experience, we added some PTSA to the product. And what I did by weight, I made it so when there was 3,000 parts per million of product in the system, that we would achieve 100 parts per billion in PTSA. So that's pretty much the whole setup of our test. Now, I mentioned we had to figure out how much water we have in our system. And folks, if you've ever seen me present at the AWT, you know, and I've already said it here, one of my biggest pet peeves is when we're treating water and we don't know how much water we are treating. Well, folks, math will help us out with this. Math is one of the few things that help us navigate the chaos that is water treatment. And here is one of the very few axioms that we have in the water treatment industry. Are you ready for this? Here it comes right at you from my lips, through the airwaves, into your speaker, through your ears. One pound of anything in a thousand gallons of water will yield 120 parts per million. You're thinking, well, a pound of what, Trace? Well, a pound of anything. If I have a pound of sodium molybdate and I have a thousand gallons of water and I put that one pound of sodium molybdate in that thousand gallons of water, I will test 120 parts per million of sodium molybdate. If I had sodium chloride, the same thing. Well, in this case, I have sodium nitrite probably your favorite closed loop mild steel inhibitor. So here is what we are going to do. We are going to test the system and see how much sodium nitrite we have in the system. And I know what you're saying, Trace, I don't have a sodium nitrite test, I have a nitrite test. Well, folks, you can just simply do the conversion on that. That's very simple. And that's actually using your periodic table. I'm not gonna bore people with that, but that is very simple to do. I'm just gonna assume that we're all using sodium nitrite test. If you have issues with this, I guarantee on your sodium nitrite test or on your nitrite test, you have conversion numbers to go back and forth for each of the species. I promise that will be in your test procedures. I've never seen one that does not have one. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a sample and we're gonna figure out how much sodium nitrite is in that sample. And folks, here is the deal. You have to have, you have to start with some sodium nitrite. Otherwise, all that sodium nitrite is going to go to work in your system. Now, if you're using sodium nitrite in your system, you probably have a residual. You should have a residual. If you don't, you've got some issues. You are testing for that residual, and that means that all of the nitrite is used up where it needs to be used up, and that's what's giving you a residual. So you do that, you have that residual, 
and now you're going to add one pound per thousand gallons. So you're going to estimate about how many gallons you have. And the way you want to do this is you want to dissolve that sodium nitrite. So that way you don't have to worry about crystals floating somewhere and not dissolving or getting to the bottom of the pot feeder or clogging up a line or something like that. Just dissolve it. It totally takes any issues out of the equation with dissolving. Then you would put that one pound that you have dissolved into the pot feeder. You will let that circulate. Now, here's the key. Everything in that system has to be on or you are not going to be able to measure that. So you need to work with your customer and make sure that they turn every single valve on every part of that system on so it's getting good circulation. And you want that to circulate for about a day and you already know that there's no leaks in the system. Of course, if you have leaks, you're gonna have issues, you're not gonna be able to do this. After the next day, after about 24 hours, you're gonna come back, you're gonna grab a sample, and then you are going to compare your original sample before you added the pound, and then after that pound was distributed evenly through the entire system. And then you are gonna plug it into this equation. 120,000, and by the way, 120,000 is used a lot in water treatment because of that axiom that I just said. The axiom is, is one pound of anything and a thousand gallons of water is going to yield 120 parts per million. So if we just squish all that together, we get 120,000. I actually prove that when I do my math portion at the Association of Water Technologies Technical Training. I'm not gonna do that here, just take my word for it. So if you can visualize, here's the equation. The numerator, which is the top part of the equation, is 120,000 times the pounds of sodium nitrite you added. All right, so now the denominator, so that's the bottom part. So what we just said was over, this next part I'm going to say is under. So whatever you just got, the 120,000 times the pounds of sodium nitrite you added. So if it was 120,000, we added one pound, it would be 120,000 divided by the change of sodium nitrite that your one pound got you. So what that is, is it's the final sodium nitrite result that you got in parts per million minus the initial result that you got in parts per million. Now that's the delta. So if you just wanted to say it's 120,000 times the pounds you added divided by the change of sodium nitrite, and then you just simply divide that through. And folks, when I did this in this system, I got 1,300 gallons. I knew that we needed to treat for 1,300 gallons. So now I can use math every time I do my dosing to make sure that I'm dosing the proper amount. And if you're doing a test, I know that you wanted me to make sure that I was dosing the proper amount. So we did all of this through a filter feeder. And I'm a firm believer that if you do not have a filter on your closed loop system, you are not getting the job done. Folks, our job is to make sure that our heat transfer surfaces are as clean as possible. And if you don't have a filter in there, there is no way that you are getting that as clean as it needs to be. 
So that's just my little soapbox for that. Put a filter on all of your closed loops. And the neat thing was this is a closed loop filter feeder that we've had for the past six years, and we had pictures of the lid. Now, you're not going to be able to see the pictures of the lid through my voice, of course. I'm going to put it on my show notes page. But because we had good data and because we had this filter feeder there, we were able to get some pretty good extra data that we were not counting on. I'll share that with you later. Just to recap, what we did is we went ahead and we got a system size so we knew exactly how many gallons of water we were treating for. And this was in a system that we had good results in, actually we had excellent results in. There were no issues we were trying to solve. The only thing we were doing was we were replacing the current inhibitors, our current program with this new filming amine program. And now we're to the point where we flushed the system. We went ahead and got everything out of the system. We did this online and we tested a couple of things. We tested conductivity, we tested pH, we tested uh, azol, we tested nitrite, and I'm sure there was something else that we tested there. Alkalinity, we tested all those. And everything met that of the incoming water, except for alkalinity. Alkalinity was a little bit high. It takes a while for you to flush all that through, but we were okay with that. With all the other ions out of the system, with pH and conductivity being really close, we decided that that was flushed enough. And folks, whenever you flush a closed loop system, you've got to make that determination. If you're trying to get exactly that of makeup water, you're probably going to waste a lot of water and that's not really necessary. So we decided that we got to a certain point, we were good with that, and then we started adding the filming amine. Now the filming amine manufacturers recommend that you half the dose and then one month later, you come back and you add the remaining half a dose. So you have the entire dose in the system, but over a one month period. Well, we wanted more data than that. So what we did was we quartered the dose. Now the recommended dose is 3000 parts per million. So one quarter dose was 750 parts per million. So over that same two month period that I just mentioned, instead of this month, we were going to put in uh, 1500 and the following month, we're gonna put in another 1500. We're gonna do the same 3000 parts per million dose, but 750 at a time every two weeks. So within that same two month period, we will eventually get to the 3000. I hope I didn't lose anybody there, but we just did that to get some more data. We did have some issues with a contractor while we were putting the dose in. I'll share that with you coming up shortly. And then we used several of the filming amine test kits to verify that we had residual filming amine present. Now, there were three test kits that we used. We used the Chemetrics, we used the one by Aquaphoenix, and then we used one by Masters. All of those worked extremely well, and I'm gonna share with you some of the things that we learned with those testing. So what I'm basically saying, any test that you have, it will work fine. Well, I told you about the lid and the closed loop filter and the lid, if you could see the picture, if you can go to my show notes page and look at the presentation that I put on my show notes page, it's the same presentation that I gave at the Association of Water Technologies convention. 
you will see the most beautiful black magnetite you have ever seen in your life. And you folks out there as water treaters, I know you feel the same way. That is water treaters nirvana. It's that beautiful, dark, dull magnetite color that we all aspire to get because we know that that's allowing us to corrode the metal so we don't corrode the metal further. I love saying that to new water treaters. It just makes their heads pop off. So we got a picture of that up there. And we also have pictures of the filter bags every single time we service this account. And we were servicing it on a weekly to every two week basis. And then we dropped down to every month. And the first thing that we noticed was when we flushed the water through the system, the first thing that we noticed when we flushed the system is we had very clear water. Of course, you would probably anticipate that. Well, it took about two and a half days for us to flush the system. And that beautiful black magnetite lid that I was telling you about now has rust spots on it. So folks, if you ever run out of product, you have a leak in your system and you think, oh, I'm just gonna get to that next month or the customer doesn't think it's important for them to tell you that they just lost a bunch of water in their closed loop system. If you look at this lid and compare two days before and two days after, I guess it was almost three days before and after, you will see that there is obvious orange rust on that lid. It does not take long for us to damage that nice protective coating that we have in the system. So it is imperative that when we treat the system, we treat the system all the time. That being said, uh, we went ahead and we put the 750 ppm dose after we flushed that system and we let that go for about two weeks. When we came back, that nice clear water that we left the system with was now tinted black. Now, it wasn't black, black. You could still see through it. And then our filter that we had had a black surface on it. You could see all the things that were in there that it was filtering out. Now, more on that later, but again, just some observations. And I've got all my filters in the presentation for you to go to my show notes and look at so you can see exactly what I'm looking at now. So then after we ran all of our tests and we had uh, we ran some tests like we would normally run on a closed loop, but then we also ran the filming amine test and we got absolutely no filming amine in the system. We then added an additional 750 parts per million of filming amine to the system. So that gave us a part per million total of 1,500 parts per million of our filming amine product. So two weeks later, we came back and the water was even darker. And we did have a positive for the filming amine test. And folks, I will let you know that each one of those tests that we use work extremely well. And a lot of us are trying to get a residual number off of that test. And I really think you're gonna make yourself go mad if you do that. We were not able to repeat those results. Now, what I mean by that is you go ahead and you set up your test and then you put it in a spectrophotometer and it tells you you have so many parts per million of filming amine. I'm here to tell you that every single one of the tests that we ran did very well of saying that there was a positive residual in the system. 
I'm also here telling you that every single one of the tests that we ran did a horrible job of telling you how much of a residual that is. So here's probably what you're saying. Well, Trace, I need to know how much of a residual that is because my company has those parameters and I need to either add or not add based on what those parameters are. Well, folks, I was not able to duplicate any results where I feel comfortable or anybody on my team feels comfortable that any of the results that you're going to get after you put that prepared sample in your spectrophotometer is worth anything. And here's why I say that. We wouldn't just test one sample. I would have 10 samples in front of me and I would do them spaced apart so not a lot of time went by and I could not get a repeatable result. And then if I continued to test the same vial, I got different results. So here's how I say to use the filming amine test, which again, whichever one you use works well if you use it like this. Use it as a go, no-go test. If you have a positive for a filming amine, what that means is, is that the filming amine has coated the entire metal surfaces in the entire system, and now you have a residual left over. That's what we're going for. You need a residual. So how much of a residual you have? Well, here's how I gauge that. If you have, and most of the tests are pink, if yours isn't, whatever color it is, let's just substitute the word pink for whatever that color that is. If it is a little bit pink, it means you have a little bit of a residual. If you have a lot of pink, you have a lot of residual. Now, how much of either of those, I don't know, but the whole point is you just need to make sure you have a residual. And that means that if the coating somewhere in your system gets rubbed off, you have plenty to replace it. Now, we did not have a residual when we put 750 in, but we did have a slight residual when we put 1500 in. All right, so here it is the fourth week and we've got 1500 parts per million of our product in the system. Came back for the third time and we added an additional 750 ppm after we ran our test. So now after six weeks, we have a total of 2,250 parts per million in the system. So, uh, and we got a positive residual for that. And you'll see that the sample that we have for that looked pretty much exactly the same as the sample before that. And we did get a positive result with that on our amine test. Well, then we had a little issue. We had a system leak and it was nothing to do with the product. Our customer had an issue with a part of their system. They got a contractor to come in and they pretty much sprung a leak and evacuated everything that was in the system. Now this happened the very next day from the dose from the service visit that I just told you about. So of course the customer was very diligent and they knew how valuable water treatment was. So they called us immediately and said that there was a leak in the system and we needed to come out. And of course, since we were running that test and they knew that we were running that test, they didn't want to skew any of our data. So they called us the second that it happened. I know you're laughing because that did not happen. Folks, we found out about this leak when we came back two weeks later. So now this is supposed to be two months into the test 
and we had absolutely nothing in the system, and the system was orange in color. We had so much iron in the water, we diluted it so many times, and I think after we diluted it, I'm not even gonna guess. We diluted it so many times and we still could not get a proper iron residual in the system. So we just said, hey, there's a lot of iron in the system. And we of course needed to flush that out. So we thought we were right there. We could start running the test at 3000 PPM. Of course, we went back to zero and we had this orange looking water. So what we then did is we flushed that out and we had a pretty gnarly looking filter there. So once all that water came out of the system and of course the water was flowing in a pattern that it wasn't used to flowing. So that broke up a lot of stuff. Keeping in mind that the filming amine was already working on cleaning up that stuff. So there was a lot of stuff in the system. I think all in all, it probably worked out well, but it would have been great just to see what the filming mean could have done without that extra flush. Murphy has always worked into everything that you do, and he was present on this test as well. So I have a picture of that filter bag that we pulled out there, if you wanna look at that. And then of course, as I said, we flushed the system again, and then we wanted to get results. So we had some results at 750 PPM every two weeks. And we said, you know what? We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna put 1500 parts per million of our Autotherm FS500R filming amine closed loop boiler with aluminum product into the system. So we did that, we came back two weeks weeks later, we did have a positive on our filming amine test, and we went ahead and put our final 1500 PPM of our filming amine. So folks, we finally did it. It took us three months, but we finally got to 3000 PPM. And as you are probably asking, well, Trace, what about the PTSA that you blended in the product? Well, very close to the start of our test, we learned that filming amine and PTSA does not play well together. So the way everything was blended into the system by weight, by math, when we had 3000 PPM of product into the system, we should get 100 parts per billion of PTSA. Well, folks, when we put 750 parts per million of our filming amine product into the system, we were well over the limit of our fluorometer. And I believe that goes up to 330 parts per billion. And it was way over that range. So what we learned is that those two do not play well together. And I have since the AWT convention, I've been in my lab and I can tell you that PTSA and filming amine are not linear. So I can't say, add this much and you'll get this result because it is all over the place. So if there is an equation to figure that out, I have not figured that out yet. And I know Jim Lukanich, friend of the show, friend of mine, he is doing some similar experiments. So when we get together for technical training, we said we were going to share a beverage and talk about what our results were and see if we can collaborate and get some more information to the Scaling Up Nation. But for now, PTSA and filming amine, they do not like each other. You will not get a good result. Now we have 3,000 parts per million of our filming amine in the system. 
So we're just running our coupons. And keep in mind, we had a set of coupons through the entire process that I told you about. Now, if you go to the show notes page for this episode, you will see that all of the water samples are listed there. You can see the colors of those. You can also see all of the filters that we tested. You can also see all of the filters that we pulled out of the system. Now, keep in mind, the filters that you're going to see there, they're a couple of days old. When you first look at the filters and they're wet, they were black. They were that dull black color. And after a couple of days, they would turn orange color almost as if they rusted because that's exactly what they did. Now, the reason I put all rust color or all dry filters in my presentation is because on one of the trips that we had, we forgot to get a picture of the filter as it came out of the filter vessel. So I wanted to make everything uh, line up so everything is the same exposure where they're all, they're all taking pictures of dry. So hopefully that makes sense. I just wanted to make sure that everything was the same. And you will also notice that the nice black surface on the lid of the filter feeder, of course, that was the magnetite you can see that that is getting stripped off. So exactly what we thought was gonna happen, that anything that was on a metal surface, anything between that metal surface and the filming amine, that filming amine is going to clean that off, including our previous corrosion protection. So you can see that very thing happening as you see my presentation on my show notes page. And you can see on, uh, I went ahead and through some syringe filters, you can see when we filtered out the water that had a black tinge through it, it looked exactly like the filters when we originally took those out. So I, am surmising that that is the magnetite getting cleaned off of the surfaces. So we had this system running for about six months. Uh, we had the initial set of coupons. And then once we got about a month's worth of data at 3,000 parts per million, we added a second set of coupons. And then about every 90 days, we changed those coupons out. And folks, I'm going to tell you, we got some really good corrosion coupon results. And they were good all across the board in all the metallurgies that we tested. And that was copper, mild steel, and aluminum. But I'm also here to tell you that we got good results with our original product that we were using as well. So the question that people at the AWT asked me was, do I like this product? And, you know, water treaters always ask that question. That's such an arbitrary question. Well, yeah, I like the way it wears its hair. You know, it's really got a really good label. What exactly does like mean? I want to be asked the question, does this product work? More specifically, does this product work as good or better than your existing product that you were using in the system? System. And I would say, yes, it did. But of course, with that comes a higher price tag. So it was uh, at least four times more expensive than the product that I was using before. And it was a closed loop system. And if you look at the corrosion coupon results side by side, which you can on my show notes page, you will see that they're not that much better. I mean, we're talking about 
thousandths of a point uh, when we're talking about mills per year. Uh, by the way, corrosion coupons are measured in mills per year. What the heck is a mills per year? Well, it's one thousandths of an inch lost in metal per year. So now you know what a mills per year is. And uh, we did get better results, but again, they were just so close that if you didn't have a problem that you were chasing, that your regular product was not able to solve, then that's when we go to this product. Now, I will tell you, we have some extremely high temperature systems that there is no way that we would be able to run without scaling some of the things that are in our other products. And we use filming amines there and we use them very well. And there's data to support that the hotter the surfaces, the better the filming amines work. So I hope you see that I didn't do anything spectacular with this test. And a lot of you have written in or called me or talked to me on the floor of the AWT and let me know how much you appreciated the phosphate episode that I did when I was trying to see if the phosphate pins, uh, the Steri pins worked or not. And I just simply said, okay, well, how am I going to test that? What do I know? What am I trying to find out? And how do I eliminate as many variables as possible? If you guys have not listened to that show, maybe you should go listen to that show as well. That was one of my favorite shows to put together. So uh, let me know if you like that. But as far as this one goes, I really enjoyed using the Filming Amine product. I like using the Filming Amine product. It is a great cleaner. Of course, our product has some cleaners in it as well. It inhibits differently. So we inhibit by that magnetite film. We inhibit by putting a protective coating uh, once we have that nitrite in the system. Well, this kind of does the same thing, but it does it indiscriminately, which means it's going to coat, it's going to film the entire surface. So that was a closed loop system that we tried it out in. We also did some tests on some cooling tower systems. And if you guys are wondering, the product that we use for that, again, our friends at Odyssey helped us out with that. So we use their Adiref P31. And that actually has a bit of phosphonate in it. So it allowed us a different parameter to test for. Now we've been using that on an extremely hot system that we would have no hope of putting any of our regular phosphate-based programs in the system because we would be getting scale. Well, with this, we have been getting great results and it's a, it's a molding facility. And when they take those molds apart, they are really clean. They look really good. So again, these products are available to you. If you are going to try them out, talk to somebody that you trust that can give you real data. My biggest pet peeve, and I have so many in the water treatment industry, is when people say they like something. Well, folks, give us data. Let us know what the corrosion coupons look like. Let us know what studies you did. Let us know what the situation was on that system before you replaced it with this new product. And that's what I tried to do in this experiment. And because 
because we did this, we felt really good at this one system. So we tried it in a couple of other systems. We've had good results in every single one of our systems. Without a doubt, we have no issue using this product. And by the way, we used Odyssey's product on this test, but we've also used some of the other products with some other accounts that we have. They all work very well. It just happens to be where you purchase them from. So with that, I hope that this helps you understand how we set up a test for filming amines that just because we got good results in our filming amine test does not mean that you're going to get the same results in your system because you might have totally different parameters. But you're thinking about that now, and now you're thinking about how much water do I actually need to treat? Am I putting the right amount in? The days of if a gallon is good, then five gallons has to be better. Folks, that is not treating water. Please don't do that. Please start figuring out how many gallons of water that you are treating and then treat for that. Find a test that you really believe in and know how to work and know how to interpret. What happens when the test shows this color instead of that color? Do you know why it does that? If you don't, try to figure that out because the better you know the test, the better you are going to be able to interpret results and the better you interpret results, the better you are going to run that program for that customer. And then of course that customer will love you and he will give you more business and he will give you referrals and you will be a happy water treater to live a very, very, very long time. Folks, this was so fun to put this together. I hope you enjoyed this verbal presentation of the presentation that I gave with visual aids at the 2018 AWT Convention and Expo. As I said, this will be on my show notes page, so feel free to look at my presentation. And if you have something that you want me to look into, a question, a product, whatever that is, let me know and maybe we can do another one of these on Scaling Up H2O. I'll talk to you next week, folks.